Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, I know as we wrap up this series, some of you are going to be very disappointed not to sing, hear that song sung each week. But I'm sure you can go out and sing it some more on your own, but uh, I think this will be the last Sunday you'll actually hear that. Um, you may recall a Dallas teenager named Ethan Crouch who, while driving drunk in 2013, killed four people and injured two others. His defense team claimed that Crouch suffered from what they called affluenza, meaning he'd been raised indulgently by wealthy parents and therefore he was not responsible for his actions. Strangely, and I, and I would even go so far as to say bizarrely, the, the court sympathized with him and sentenced him to 10 years probation and therapy. And as you can imagine, there was a lot of uproar. Uh, maybe you felt the same thing when you heard about it. Then, the, the, what brought it more to home was last December, you may have heard, uh, there was a Twitter video post showing Crouch someplace drinking beer uh, which was a direct violation of his parole, his probation. And uh, so when the word got out, within a few days, he and his mother uh, left Texas and fled to Mexico, where they were arrested at the end of last December and brought back to the United States eventually. And as of about two weeks ago, he was resentenced, this time to two years in prison. Uh, tragic all the way around, what happened to people, what happened in their lives, um, and in no way am I excusing Crouch and his actions, but, but I also, as I've read more about it and, and, and listened and heard, it, it struck me, it seemed pretty clear to me that his parents enabled a lot of this. I, I was struck by the sense of entitlement that helped this whole tragedy to even happen, and, and there is research out there now that says that this sense of entitlement that was experienced there is actually becoming more and more common with each succeeding generation. That as the generation that lived during World War II came through, maybe there were degrees of it, the generation after them, those of us baby boomers, there was more of that, and, and it has continued uh, according to research, to become more prevalent and more common with each succeeding generation. Dr. John Townsend, who wrote the book, The Entitlement Cure, that we've used uh, throughout this series as kind of a basis for some of the stuff we've talked about, has defined entitlement, and we put this up each week just so we're all clear, defined it as the belief that I'm exempt from responsibility and therefore I'm owed special treatment. And, and we do need to recognize what research is also showing, that entitlement, in fact, is somewhat of a stage that a lot of kids go through, particularly those around the age of one and a half to two. Anybody ever had a two-year-old who told you, it's mine? <laughs> yeah, someone was very quick to say it, yeah. Uh, you, you know, as well as during teenage years. Teens are starting to mature and able to make, take more responsibility for their choices, and, and so it's not surprising that the sin that resides in all of us, and let's be clear about that, the sin that resides in all of us leads many teens to try to get all that they can with the least amount of effort possible. 
In most cases, teens start to discover that there are consequences for their choices and, and therefore begin to recognize the importance of being responsible, of working hard, of setting goals, seeking to, to, to work them out. However, some teens struggle with this transition and sometimes parents help the situation make it worse, starting all the way back sometimes in children's youngest years. In most cases, these parents, we parents, those of us who are parents, all of us are trying to show our kids love, but some struggle to find good limits. Where does it go too far? Where is it okay? Where is it not? Because this is more of a spectrum of, of things. It's not like there's a, there's a, there's a hard line in here that, dif- that differentiates these. Um, parents, though, we need to remember, have a God-given responsibility to teach and train their children. Uh, if you're here with us on Sundays when we have dedications, every family up here dedicates that child. We ask them, are they going to be responsible? But we also ask us, the congregation, will we be responsible? Because we're in this together. We're all working together to help this happen. The Bible says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, let me just state the obvious. Oops. No, no parent does this perfectly. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. This is not about a guilt trip. This is not about saying, I'm the perfect parent. I would never have this problem, but so-and-so does. All of us struggle here to some degree, and God understands that. And yet some parents wanting to give their kids a better life or maybe because they're looking for approval from their kids or maybe in reaction to stuff that happened in their own childhood or even a parent's own sense of entitlement may tempt parents to, to lead their children in ways that encourage a sense of entitlement. Parenting expert Amy McCready writes about parenting styles that tend to encourage entitlement in children. And she listed five in an article that I came across recently. First one is keep them happy, the keep them happy at all costs parent. This is a parent who will drop anything and everything to keep their kids from experiencing disappointment or, or, or unhappiness. The, the last thing they want is for their child to be unhappy. And so they do whatever they can, even when in fact it would be normal for their child to experience unhappiness. And this, this pattern tends to develop in children in, in a what's in it for me kind of attitude. Second, the enabler gives in to child's, a child's desires or demands because it gets easier than trying to deal with them complaining and negotiating or, heaven help some of you parents, I know your kids have never nagged, never done that, of course. But, but sometimes, and I imagine almost every one of us as parents is that sometimes kind of felt like, okay, I just can't take it anymore, go. But the point is, are we doing that typically? Because we're teaching them to get away with stuff. Third, the rescuer always protects the, their child from the consequences of their actions. So the kid who for, for always is forgetting their homework and the parent's gonna always rush and take it up to school instead of saying, well, you know, I'm sorry you forgot your homework and you may have to take an, a, a, a bad grade today, but maybe tomorrow you'll remember to bring it. But the, but the rescuer never allows them to feel the consequences of their actions. 
Fourth is the indulger who will let their child see, say, a movie that's inappropriate for their age or let their child have snacks anytime they ask. And, and it's certainly not wrong to, to let kids enjoy some of life's pleasures, but, but there are appropriate limits for each age range and for each setting. And when a parent is constantly denying those, those limits, they're indulging their child in what's best for them. And finally, the over-the-top parent wants to always make sure their, their child, it's the best childhood ever. And, and so they have designer bedrooms and they have the most stylish new clothes and they throw the biggest parties, always trying to one-up the last party or the party someone else threw. Um, it, it's not that, that any or all of these things are inherently bad, but they may all be more than a child needs in order to learn how to be content and, and not feel entitled. I love uh, the Dr. James Dobson book title, Parenting Isn't for Cowards, because I think that just really kind of says it right there, you know? Parenting is hard. It's a lot of work. I, I remember early in our relationship with Susan, she told me, you know, the, the, the change from going from single to married was a big change in our lives, but she said the change from going from married to married with children was even bigger. And I didn't believe that. I was a young guy. Boy, was I wrong. I'm so glad she told me. Because it is. It's a huge change. Some of you know exactly. Some of it's, it's bigger for some than others, but it's a big change, and it requires us to, to continually work on responsibility uh, on being responsible. Deuteronomy 6 says this, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. In other words, this parenting thing is a full-time thing. It's something we need to work on. We need to be encouraging in our kids all the time, and if we think we can somehow delegate it away or somehow raise good kids and not do anything, we're kidding ourselves, and we're raising some of the very kids that we ourselves wouldn't want to be around. And so there are moments throughout our day when we can, can do this, we can teach and model godly behaviors and practices that help our children grow more and more like Christ, because they're sponges. They soak up everything. It's, it's all the time. It's not just when we think we're teaching. Sometimes we teach when we don't want to teach, and that's when it's kind of scary. Well, Dr. Townsend, John Townsend, who has given us the definition of entitlement and, and wrote the book, The Entitlement Cure, um, didn't talk a great deal about parenting in his book, but he did in some other set, settings, and I've pulled some of that material together to look at some practices that can diminish this entitlement mentality in kids. And the very first one is that we need to combine love with limits. In other words, every child needs to know and experience that they're loved unconditionally. And that's not just for kids. That's something all of us need. Every single one of us needs to know that, that, that I am loved, that God loves me. That's really the kind of the, the foundation of it all. But then as followers of Christ, it's our goal then to love our family and, and friends and coworkers and everybody else the same way. But at the same time, with, along with the love comes the need for structure, for limits and consequences. And it's that structure that gives, especially kids, the freedom to experience love the most. 
I've shared this um, uh, story before, but it just, it always has struck me. Uh, Several years ago, uh, they did a, a study of children at a school. They took a school that had a playground enclosed, a fenced-in playground, and first they observed how the children played. And what they observed was that the children played vigorously all across the playground, uh, all the way up to the fence, in fact, and, and, and had a great time. Then, one weekend, while the kids were away, they removed the fencing to see what would happen. And what they observed was that immediately the kids retreated in from the borders, from the edges where the fences had been. They retreated in and they played less energetically. And and the, the understanding was that when kids suddenly aren't clear about where the boundaries are, they become insecure. And rather, in most kids, rather than taking a chance, they will pull back into a safer mode and in a less energetic mode. But just to see if it was in fact true, they then, on a following weekend, put the fence back up. And they said immediately, the children who had withdrawn, who had pulled in, who were playing less, once again, their level of energy and play ramped back up very quickly, and they again started playing all the way out to the fence. When, when, when we, in our homes, and our families, in our schools, and wherever it may be, when we have clear rules and age-appropriate consequences, we're giving kids a predictable structure, which they may complain about. I, 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 maybe not your kids, but, but I've heard some complaints. But deep down, there's this recognition that they need it. These rules, these limits help them focus, stay on task, curb their impulses, and develop a work ethic. When, when parents nurture and love their child, but they, but they fail to place reasonable limits and structures around them, a child can develop a sense of entitlement because they think that, that they can do whatever they want and get away with it because nobody's guarding the edges. The truth is, and, and this may strike some of you as funny, it may surprise you, limits and structures are marks of love. They really are. Because, I mean, if I don't love somebody, if I'm saying I don't love them, if I don't care about them, then am I going to do anything about behaviors that aren't helpful to them, aren't healthy? Probably not. But when we do love, when we do care, then it matters to us how they live their life. And we don't want to see them doing things that are hurtful or damaging to them. And therefore, we go out of our way to discipline them not because we enjoy it. You know, many times it leads to that statement or at least the feeling by us parents where where we've said, this is going to hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you. Now, I don't know if you grew up with that or not. I did. And and I wanna just be honest with you. When I was about to get punished, I couldn't, there was no way it was gonna hurt them more than it was gonna hurt me. I, I mean, I just thought, that is the dumbest. Why do you even tell me that? Why are you saying that to me? I, I don't believe that for a minute. I mean, that's like an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or something like that. But then I became a parent. And oh my goodness, my parents were actually right. Because I only want the best for my kids, like you. And, and I don't want to 
have to punish them. I don't want to have to do those kinds of things. I want us to be happy. I want things to go well. But I don't, I don't put happiness above what's best for the child. And so sometimes we have to do things that they don't like for their good. And it does hurt. None of us wants to live that way. None of us likes to think, I want to be a disciplinarian. I want to just give my kids the hardest time I can. Every parent would rather shower love on their child, would rather not have to deal all the time with discipline. But, but discipline and structure are actually signs of love. And, and in fact, so much so that we will endure our children's anger our children's accusations. You don't love me anymore. I don't love you. You're a terrible parent. We will endure those things for the sake of something better for our kids. The Bible says discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Now notice it says they will. It doesn't say they do. Because in the moment, most of them won't. But we're teaching kids their proper limits, which is the hard way in the short term, but prepares them to take responsibility in life for the long haul. Second, we need to praise that which requires effort. And there's no question, kids need praise, whether they're our kids or they're someone else's kids. But some kids don't get much of that. In fact, there are some homes where there's very little praise, and that can work against their self-esteem. Praise fills the kid up on the inside. It helps their self-image. It encourages more positive behaviors. But praise only works when it's for behaviors that require work and demonstrate character development on the part of the child. For instance, telling a child, I, I saw how kind you were to your brother today. Or you worked really hard on your homework even though I know you wanted to go out and play. Or, I'm proud and grateful for how you set the table today at, at dinner. Or, I appreciated how you, you admitted you were wrong, and that just helps me know and trust you even more that you're honest. But when we praise something that's inherent about a child, uh, something that's obvious to everyone, that, that they had nothing to do with, they didn't cause it to happen, they didn't do any effort for it, but it's just part of who they are or how they look or their natural giftedness, our praise can sound empty. You know, you are so good looking or your smile is so charming or you don't have to work at math because you're just naturally great at it or you're a fantastic baseball player unless, unless we add something like and you practice so diligently every day to try to get better. It's not that we can never say those things, but but if that's all our child is hearing, if that's all our kids are hearing, it may actually hurt them if they hear it so much because they know they didn't cause them. It wasn't something they did. The child feels praise for what they had no control over, so they start to believe they're valued for things they can't control and not just for being who they are. And to cope with this, a child may start feeling entitled. Instead, our kids need to hear the truth. And, and affirm it when it reinforces good behavior in them and discipline it when it works against them in the living of their life. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love 
like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. And part of the whole truth in this passage is that there are some things that our kids do do well. But our kids, like all of us, are human. And there are some things they don't. That they're not the best at because they're like us. And there's some things about them that just are, that they put no effort into. And those are the types of things that don't need to be overemphasized. Let's praise their actual efforts. Third, we need to distinguish between special and unique. And, and, and here's a word, special. I mean, it's kind of a double-edged word that perhaps we need to use carefully with our kids. I never heard this growing up, but I, I'm starting to see... I mean, there's no question our kids are special to us. You're a parent, a grandparent, uncle, aunt, brother. I mean, absolutely. But if they hear that they're special, that that's all they hear, if that's what they hear all the time, some are going to begin to believe, therefore, that inherently they're special, so special, that they're better than everybody else and they're due special treatment. They start to believe that the rules don't apply to them because they're special and they should have whatever they want because they are, after all, Special, which really means, at this point, entitled. The trouble is that a child may interpret being special as somehow above or, or better than the crowd. And yet, when everyone believes they're special, is anyone special? I mean, it dilutes it all. It trivializes what is truly special. And, and kids inwardly come to recognize this, and it, it sets up this battle inside themselves between how they feel about themselves Versus what they're being told. And if their sense of specialness drives them to, to always want more, they're never going to be content. We need to help them accept the biblical qualities of gratitude and contentment. It may be, instead, more helpful to think in terms of the uniqueness of our child. Helping them recognize that God created each one of us, each person. And there's no one else like us. There's been no one else like us. There will be no one else ever like us. That we are unique. And, and God created us with care and love. Each one of us. That we are so important to him. And our, our kids then don't have to copy others to try to be like them in order to be special. Because God has never made anyone else like them, and he never will. They are unique. They are wondrous in who they are. Jesus said, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. He knows each one of us so to such depth and detail that he has counted the hairs on our heads. He knows that the, everything about us, and each of us is unique in our own way. But being unique is, is biblical truth but at the same time, doesn't necessarily encourage entitlement. Fourth, we need to be definitely for our kids, but we don't need to collude with them. I mean, we all want what's best for our kids, but we need to also recognize that, and this may come as a little bit of a shock, they're not perfect. You know, I think of, of um, what's the guy up in, all of a sudden, up in Minnesota, where the kids are, uh, Prairie Home Companion, whatever, and he says, you know, the kids are all perfect and all this kind of stuff in kind of a cute way. But that's not talking about our kids. In fact, that's not talking about any kids. And, and 
that's okay. Because God didn't make any of us perfect. That's not what it means to be human. It's not what it means to be loved. It's not what it means to be appreciated. And we need to stand up and, and recognize that in our children and acknowledge it's okay. Kids do not flourish, though, when we defend them when they're wrong, which is collusion. We damage this foundational character trait of integrity in them, but also in us. I mean, consider that the teacher might be right about some negative behaviors of your child at school. And sometimes parents, we don't want to hear that, that little Johnny would never act up like that. Be open to the coach saying your child needs to focus more and stop goofing off. Listen to other parents when they tell you your child is disruptive at their house. No way. Pay attention to what the police say when they bring your child home from a party. My little Johnny would never do that. You see this attitude of my kid, right or wrong, it seems admirable. It shows such great loyalty. But if it leads our children to adopt the attitude that I don't have to take responsibility for my actions, then we are doing them a huge disservice. If we're thinking they could never do anything wrong, if what the teacher says or the friend says is always right, we are giving them a free trip to entitlement land. Many of us grew up knowing that, that if, if we acted up at school and, and we were punished at school, when we got home, the punishment was going to only be more. The parent was going to say they had no right to do that. Uh, again, I'm not saying that there aren't occasions where there aren't issues, but in the majority of the cases, most of us knew anything we did at school, was gonna get, we were going to get punished worse at home. And in and, and some families, though, today, there is such indignation that the school could ever think Johnny could ever do anything wrong. Again, I'm not saying there are perfect schools or there are perfect teachers, but for that matter, there aren't perfect kids or perfect parents. So let's all understand what we're dealing with here, that we're, when we say somebody could never do that, we're probably denying the reality of sin. We're probably saying, well, you may be a sinner, but, but my little Johnny would never do that. Hey, if you want to know if, if there's such a thing as original sin, all you have to have is a one-and-a-half or two-year-old. They will immediately prove to you that there is such a thing as original sin. So it is naive on our parts. Little Johnny is a sinner, just like the rest of us. And you know it. You live with him. You've seen it. You experience it. But when we try to hide it or deny it, we encourage entitlement in our kids and we're failing to deal with the truth. In fact, helping them face their actions, deal with their consequences, overcome adversity, those are some of the greatest gifts we can give our kids. If we're always covering for them, they don't learn what's right and they don't know how to overcome mistakes or problems as they grow up when you're not there. The Bible says in Romans 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. When I read that passage and there's a couple others like it, I always go, no, I don't want that. 
But just because I don't want it doesn't mean it's not truth. And all of us face problems and trials. And the question for us as parents is, am I gonna, am I gonna protect them from the world or am I gonna equip and empower them to live in the world by the grace of God through the power of Christ? When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He loves us, but he's not going to keep us out of all the efforts or the the things that happen in life. Acknowledging the truth and helping our child through this The Bible says builds character and endurance and hope. Yes, we are always our child's advocate, but we are advocating for their growth and their responsibility and not for escaping life and its consequences. Those are very different things. Fifth, we need to distinguish between acceptance and approval. No question, every child needs to know they're accepted, accepted by their family, no matter what. If they feel accepted only when they behave in a certain way, when they perform at a certain level, it can create all kinds of psychological, relational issues. It can lead to things like depression, anxiety, problems in relationships. Kids desperately need to know that they are accepted always by us, by parents, by grandparents, by family, by friends. Even when they fail or they give up or they disappoint us. Because in doing so, we are modeling for them the love of Christ that accepts us when we mess up, when we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. But here's the thing. Acceptance is about the person. Approval is about the behavior. You can always accept your child, but that doesn't mean you approve of behaviors that hurt their sibling, or that neglect their homework, or that refuse their chores, or that lead them to be disrespectful of others, or that breaks curfew, or or leads them to drink underage, or take illegal substances. Do not be afraid to discipline a child when their behaviors don't meet your approval. Show them that taking responsibility for their lives is a basic expectation, and there are consequences when they do not. Consequences can be punishment for their actions. Sure, we can ground them or do whatever, but it could also be the natural consequence of their actions. If, if they don't want to bring their clothes down and have them, leave them in the right place to be washed, they don't have to have clothes, or they don't have to have clean ones. I mean, I I know some boys can go for a while with dirty underwear, but there really does come a point, even for most most boys, where it's a little too much. And you can turn them inside out and around and about only so many times. But if you're always going up and bringing the clothes and always handling it and, and, and never allowing them to be responsible. If you approve of a behavior that you know is not best for them, we are setting them up. We are setting them up to not experience God's best in life. 
Because there's going to be a boss somewhere or there's going to be a, a, a legal situation or a financial situation come along and there ain't going to be anybody that's going to clean their underwear. You know? But you are in a position, we parents are in a position to walk them through that in an appropriate fashion at appropriate ages to take on more and more responsibility. That's what we're called to do. And the Bible shows all these examples of this, of, of people God loved and accepted, but did not approve of their, all of their actions and behaviors and allow them to experience consequences. Look at David. King David lived a thousand years before Christ. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, and yet the Bible is quick to list a number of things that David did wrong. It didn't try to cover it up, and in fact, showed him living with the consequences. Some of them pretty gut-wrenching because his kids really didn't do very well because of the way he parented them. We can't afford to approve our child's behavior when it's not right, when it's not appropriate. And we can't be afraid to discipline for that. And this is, this is where kids learn right from wrong. They learn how to behave in society. That We have to be the front line for what is approved and what is not approved for kids. Don't wait for your teacher or the, your employer or some future spouse to show them that. Always accept your child, always. But also show them what are approved behaviors and actions and what are not. And finally, help your, ch your children develop empathy. I mean, this is an incredibly important task of parenting is that our kids learn empathy toward others. Now, empathy is the ability to see how we affect others' feelings, both for good and for bad. When your child starts to feel sorry for being unkind or, or, or mean to another kid, you ought to celebrate. That's a good thing, that they recognize that, they see the, what's happening. Entitled children, like most entitled people, don't have much sense of empathy. So they don't feel it much or at all when they hurt other people by their words or their actions. Instead of being sorry, they tend to be more concerned about being caught because it's about them and, and, and not about how they can help the other person feel better. But the love of God drives us to love our neighbors and to care about them, and therefore we want them to experience that. We want to experience that, and we want our children to do that. Jesus said... Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. We know that is called the golden rule. And when we help our kids think about how their actions affect others and how the actions of others then therefore affect us, we help them see the value of what Jesus is teaching here. And of course, this has to go deeper than just doing something for others so that we can get something back. I will be nice to so-and-so so I can get something. No, what we want them to do, we want them to change their heart so that they are nice to so-and-so because that is what Jesus calls us to do. That's the right way that we are created to live that makes the world work best. And, and the only way that happens is heart transformation. Why do we do stuff with kids? Because along with you, partnering with you, we're trying to change, help them change their hearts. But we're also trying to change all of our hearts too because that's what drives us. It's why letting our kids go on, on to serve alongside you or go on a mission trip is so valuable for raising them because it puts them in, in, into situations where 
They see what others have and it creates empathy because they all of a sudden recognize that their life, as good as it, it, it is, is in fact better than they imagined. You know, I remember going to Kenya a few years ago, talking to one of the great guys who worked at, start at the House of Hope. And as we were talking, I realized he didn't even have a car. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna talk about mine now because I realized suddenly what I take for, for granted, that transportation, these guys would have to wait for six weeks and take a bus back to their families and come back because that was the way it was. And, and I didn't, I knew, not only was I not gonna talk about it, but I thought, my goodness, how blessed I am and how easy it is for me to forget. And it gives us empathy for others. None of us can give, though, what we don't have. So this is maybe a big step for some of you. If, if you want better for your kids, maybe it starts with you. Maybe it starts with you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ yourself. Because listen, you can't give what you don't have. You can't influence them in ways best for them if you don't have a sense of what Christ can do in you. And it's a choice that I think some of you probably need to make this morning. None of us wants to end up being in a family like Ethan Crouch's. None of us. Our prayer team, in, in just a moment, is going to be out here on the edges, and they would love to help you welcome Christ into your life or pray for your kids or pray for you as a parent or pray for your relationships or pray for stuff that you're going through or struggling with, whatever the case may be. And in your uh, notes on the back at the bottom, some things on our Find It page, that any of those could be helpful tools for you to go and, and use in your family or for yourself as you, as you consider what entitlement might be doing in, in you or in your family or people you care about or you work alongside. And, and then, as you can see, we're gonna be celebrating communion here in just a few moments. It, and it's such a profound reminder. If we ourselves ever get kind of cocky about things, remembering that Christ died for us, for me, while, while I was still a sinner, while I was doing all the stuff wrong. And, and that, if that doesn't create humility and gratitude, then I really don't understand what Jesus Christ has done. And so we offer this as a gift to the church on behalf of Christ that's a powerful reminder. And we would, we would ask uh, when, we, when we end the service, uh, if you have kids that you would like to participate, if you would go get them immediately and bring them back. And if you're gonna be receiving communion, if you'd come and sit on the floor area, we'll have a m short um, uh, moment of explanation and, and introduction to communion, and then you'll be given instructions about when to, to come forward. But we'll be doing that in just a minute. And, um, Again, there's stuff in your, in your bulletin. Um, next week is Mother's Day, and, and we'll be celebrating that and have, taking pictures and all kinds of stuff. And if you're a guest today, um, some of us will be out here after the service. We'd love to meet you. Or if you're a Gateway family, you brought someone, bring them over there to us. This morning, we, we want to, as we wrap this up, want to just recognize that this, this whole idea that I deserve it is, is ripping families apart, ripping our country apart, 
ripping workplaces apart. I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, guys who are managers or owners of business over these last few weeks have talked to me and thanked me because they see so much entitlement in the workplace. It, it's amazing. It is so insidious. It's so, it's so much a part of it because our culture, we told you in the beginning, all you gotta do is go home and watch television and sometime today, somebody's gonna tell you on an ad, you deserve this. God has so much more for you than trinkets of consumerism. He really does. You and I have to walk with him and trust him and let him change us and use us to also work in our kids. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the love of Christ, which is so powerful, which can transform any of us. We confess that in each of us, there are places in our lives where sin still leads us to be, uh, feel entitled and in other things that bring harm and hurt to relationships and to ourselves. Father, we pray that those of us who need Christ in our lives for the first time will make that decision this morning to talk with one of our prayer team. And we pray for all of us, Father, that you would help us trust you. And for those who are parents in here, Father, what a, what a glorious undertaking and what a, 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 a burden sometimes to carry as we struggle to do what's right and know that we don't ever do it perfectly. Give us some grace there, Father, to know you haven't called us to be perfect, but you have agreed to walk alongside us, to be with us, and help us love our kids into what is right, what is best, so that they, they will not only grow up to be kids we are love and are excited about, but to see them make such huge differences in this world. We pray for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.